This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the maximum security ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 607 of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast. I am the internet's Joe Patrick, and my time as a prisoner of the future state has been introspective and some solid me time to come to grips with my DC issues. Get on that bomb. Inmate number 667. They couldn't even give me a cool number. Prisoner of the DC future state, but... I got a plan to bust out of here. But first, we'll be reviewing a pile of Future State comics and some other contraband smothered in from the outside. And then it's to the weight room where we'll be discussing our must-read picks for next week and wailing on our pets. Yeah. After that, it's time for the first THN Take a Look. It's in a book club. <laughs> where we are reviewing God Killers colon War on Terror with THN Love Slave JD Gotta Catch Em All. But first, before we get to all that sweaty prison action, it's Future State Review time in the Ziggurat. Welcome to week four of our Future State Prison Sentence. This week, the pile features a new aqua duo, Batman and Superman, together again, again. A future look at the Legion's future, a crash test dummy that kills and vampires. Always with the vampires. We can't get away from the vampires. Joe, get this chain game started, will you? It's Future State Legion of Superheroes number one, obviously from DC. Brian Michael Bendis takes an already altered Legion into an even weirder future, but still gives fans enough to latch on to a version even farther along than where we already were. Yeah. The U- The UP is in shambles, but the Legion is hanging on. We even get a fun glimpse at what once would have been the Legion of Substitute Heroes, uh, which took me uh, several looks uh, to figure out what was going on. I did not Uh, know. (laughs) Once I I did, I was tickled pink. You got Color Kid. You've got Double Header. It was awesome. But it just seems like a lot to lay on the optimistic future team all at once. However, Riley Rossmo illustrates the whole thing beautifully and weirdly, as usual. Uh, We aren't given too much about why the world is like this. Just a lot of futuristic Bendis screaming with great illustrations. I can't say I really understood everything that was happening, but I had fun reading Future State Legion of Superheroes number one. And I guess that's what matters most. I'm giving it a buy it. I would say that I had the same exact experience you had, but I'm giving it a skim it because I didn't really know what was going on. This seemed like a lot. There was a lot of screaming. (laughs) I didn't have as much fun. Uh, Riley Rosmo is great, and I love everything Riley Rosmo draws, but like you said, this was a lot. They didn't really explain why the world is like this. I didn't really know what was going on. I wasn't in on some of the inside jokes, and it's a skim it. I mean, I... I didn't feel a lot for it. I didn't have as much fun. As I'm, I'm, that's fair. Like, you know, we've had this conversation about future state. Like I'm, I'm kind of okay with just being thrown into the deep end and not really understanding the status quo. But 
I guess on a good day when I read the Legion of Superheroes as it actually is, I am thrown yeah. into the deep end. The, and now the Legion is yeah. The Legion is complicated the enough. Yeah. End at this point, where I'm just like, whoa. The Legion, <laughs> the Legion is complicated enough on a normal day, right? And so, like this was like doubly so. Yeah. So I get it. My first review is of Future State Aquaman, number one from DC. This was written by Brandon Thomas with art by Daniel Samper. In this future state, the son of Black Manta is the new Aquaman, and he protects the seven seas with Andy, the daughter of Arthur and Mira. But the two are mysteriously transplanted into the confluence, some kind of interdimensional ocean that connects all oceans or maybe realities or maybe both not important i guess you know what i i i I feel like this was something that um that got touched on in uh zach snyder uh not zach snyder scott snyder's justice league where there was like this galaxy of oceans that were all kind of interconnected which just seems weird to me but you know which was like that was that was part that was part of that that was part of that storyline where like the god um uh the gods of the various ocean gods from different planets attacked i forget the name of the yeah i vaguely remember something like this and and i don't think you're wrong and i didn't have a problem with it there's plenty of weirder shit going on in dc what is important is that daniel sampere's tremendous art is just amazing on this yes it was so good every page was amazing with action-packed panels weird fish monsters completely badass aquaman with dreads later on thomas's script is solid it moves at a great pace and it didn't leave me scratching my head as to when this takes place because it doesn't worry about trying to connect to anything else this is just a tough as nails aquaman story that might be my favorite future state book so far i'm giving this a buy it yeah, like I really loved it. I I really really did love this book. Yeah, like um, honestly, I'm I was more excited about this version of Aquaman than the regular version of Aquaman. If they wanted to keep going with this, I think Black Manta's son becoming Aquaman is really compelling. Really compelling. Yeah. So Jackson Hyde uh, is a character that they introduced prior to the New Fifty Two. Uh, uh, during kind of, uh, I think it was during brightest day. Um, and he was the son of black Manta and he's based, he's based on, um, the version of Aqualad from the young justice cartoon. Okay. Uh, sort of. And, um, he's a great character. He's a great character and he's, he's making a big return. And I thought that he was so compelling to read about. And like his relationship with Andy and, uh, you know, like, uh, the, the whole, the whole thing with, uh, them being like trapped in the confluence, the confluence. And like, I, I thought this was like super compelling yeah. the art. I, I can't say enough. We had been talking about, uh, the post future state, uh, books that are coming out and how, uh, the creative teams on the Superman books weren't exactly sparking excitement. I read the uh, Superman Worlds at War by uh, uh, Philip uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson. whatever Philip Kennedy Johnson. Thank you. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, he's good. I'm ex- I'm fine. I'm excited. Daniel Sampier is one of the artists taking over one of the books, and now I'm thrilled yeah, because no his words. art is amazing. God, he's good. He's so good. And 
Yeah, this was just really compelling. It moved, just like the other Future State books, it moved at a breakneck pace, but it focused on what it was doing, and it didn't worry about trying to touch anything else or tie into anything else or mention anything else, and I think that's why it worked so well. It, it was just like, here's this vision of this, they're doing this, they're stuck in another reality, and oh, by the way, they're two completely different characters. Great. I'm in. That was yeah, great. Yeah, No, huge buy it. I loved it. I loved it. Next up for me is Future State Suicide Squad number one. Amanda Waller has fled to Earth 3 and formed a new team patterned off of the Justice League that we know and love. Obviously, this is all going to go terribly. And the no. Suicide Squad <laughs> from the Suicide Squad from the Prime DC Earth is here to shut it all down. Uh, Robbie Thompson's script is edgy and full of twists, but the characters are much more sympathetic uh, than I was expecting. Uh, the art by Javier Fernandez is excellent. Uh, there's a second story featuring Black Adam and the Justice Legion A from DC 1 million. It is an odd addition to this particular issue. <laughs> yeah. But it was a great story uh, delivered by Jeremy Adams and Fernando Passarin, who I am a big fan of. Not sure why it wasn't included in the Shazam issue, but whatever. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Future State Suicide Squad was a fun pairing of stories. They didn't really belong together, but I'm still giving it a buy it. I, I thought it was pretty good. I did not love this art as much as you. I thought some of it was a little weird and kind of loose. In the, in the first story, you mean? Yeah, in the Suicide Squad I mean, Squad it was story. kind of scratchy. I think that's Javier Fernandez's usual style. But I've seen him not, I guess, this frantic in style it seems like almost but i don't know i didn't love his art as much here i've definitely liked him more elsewhere not that it's terrible or anything but there was some weirdness to it i didn't get why that second story was here at all it made it had nothing to do with this and it kind of threw me again i'm giving this a skim it but i mean it didn't matter because it was good so who cares i mean whether it was good or not it was fine i'm not gonna say it was great it was it was fine i'll give you that but it didn't fit here and i don't know why it was here and I think you said like the characters were a little more sympathetic. Yes. But I would argue like Tom Taylor's doing that even better than this when he was writing suicide squad. So I'm giving this a skim. It, it, there wasn't, there was nothing inherently wrong with it. It just didn't do as much for me as what had been going on in the suicide squad and kind of feels like just more suicide squad with a twist. You know what I mean? So you're comparing this book to another book instead well, of reviewing this book for what it is. No, but I can't help but not. If you want to say like, this is a future version with a whole new take on the suicide squad. This just felt like more suicide squad to me, but the catch is, Oh yeah, they're in a different world right now. And the old suicide squads coming to get them. You know, I, it just, it was fine. I didn't think it was great. I thought it was fine. I'm giving it a skim it. Next up for me is, Future State Superman versus Imperious Lex. This was written by Mark Russell with art by Steve Pudge. Lex has left Earth to live on Lexor, a planet he single-handedly saved, made rich by enslaving a race of killer robots that rob other planets and rules over with the aid of a giant media machine complex named Lex News. I'm sure you can figure out what they're aping there. But I don't get it. I don't get it. Why is Lex now applying for Lexor to join the United Planets? And why is Lois sponsoring him? 
Leave it to Mark Russell to take all our feelings about the last election and use Lex Luthor and Superman to show us the air of both of our ways. The story is a perfect look at our current fractured American society with Russell's usual laugh out loud pointed humor, but also it's got a ton of heart. Steve Pugh is great as usual with his classic superhero style. This feels like a story that could have been told in any Superman annual, and it spends zero time trying to connect to the other Future State super books, which was fine with me. This was just witty, smart, well done a ton of fun and a direct reaction to the garbage that this country is trying to climb out of right now. I'm giving this the biggest buy it. It was just too much fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I mean, the only thing that makes this a future state book is the fact that everybody's a little older. Yeah. That's, you it. know, <laughs> that, that's it's basically, like, it. uh, which like again was totally fine with me. Like it didn't matter. It didn't matter whether or not it connected to like, Jonathan Kent's nonsense or, right. uh, you know, it, 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 like it, who gives a shit? You know, it was just a fun story. It was a fable. He's telling a fable. That's what he, uh, yeah, essentially. And, uh, no, <laughs> the, the dialogue is so smart yeah. and clever. Like that, that line that you tweeted out, uh, with the with the, it's like with they the, go to like they're on like the Lex News, which is basically Fox yeah, like News. the the advice the and advisor on Lex was like, well, maybe their- like an economy based on killer robots wasn't the smartest idea. <laughs> yeah. No, but, um, and like not to mention the fact that like when Superman does show up and faces Lex and see how the people like boo him and hate him, and they're like, boo, we want to kill you and everything. He's like, it's not their fault. It isn't their fault. And we, yeah, no, it, it and was, we have to help them. And it's like, God it damn had, it, Superman. <laughs> like, it, it, had a, <laughs> it had a ton of heart. Yeah. It had a great message and also some robot punching. Yeah. And there's nothing really more you can ask for. It's a buy it for me. Oh, yes. Next up we have, uh, this is our actual, this actually is our final future state review of the week. It is future state Superman, Batman, number one. On the verge of the future state, Superman and Batman team up for what may be the last time. The dominion of the magistrate is growing in Gotham City, and they are prepared for the arrival of Batman's Kryptonian ally. This was a thrilling, fun adventure from Gene Luen Yang and artist Ben Oliver. Uh, It does not reveal too much about any particular future. It doesn't even really seem that far in the future. Superman even makes a joke that like Gotham City became a police state overnight and nobody noticed. (laughs) Right. Uh, But it does offer an exciting story with great art. Uh, and great writing while also delivering character moments that ring true to both heroes. Uh, honestly, this could have just been an arc of the regular title, but still I'm giving future state Batman Superman number one, to buy it. Okay. So I liked it a lot. Let's unpack this a little bit because I think Gene Luen Yang is really good on the Superman and Batman interaction. Art here was beautiful. Absolutely. Gorgeous. Ben Oliver is uh, amazing, but the plot was kind of stupid. Like, there's a group of teenagers that are taking a drug to genetically modify their face to hide from the magistrate? I mean, so, uh, and okay, they need, like, uh, Superman needs Batman to track down a group of teenagers? And they do this because, oh, they, they want to hide their face. Can't you just do that with a fucking mask? <laughs> like, I mean, come on. 
<laughs> all right. Now, uh, there there are some leaps you need to take. Uh, the, the false face society is like a classic DC concept. I get it, but here they're just a group of teenagers. Do you really it's, need no, Batman it's to not. find uh, them? It, it, they got the drug. They got the drug from somebody. I'll give you that. But the false face society was a was a separate group run by the the guy, the Toad guy. I Mr. just thought Toad. the plot was kind of dumb. Like I thought the Shannon Yang thought it was is like, a good writer, but this plot was weak. No, I thought it was classic fun, and I thought it it's was not totally weak. And not to mention the fact that, that like the magistrate didn't think that at some point Superman might show up. Really? Well. <laughs> You like they you. sent it, they sent their giant robots right after him right away. Yeah, and so how'd that work out? I'm just curious. <laughs> well, duh. I mean, he's Superman. Like what are you gonna nothing. do? Like, I mean, like, come on. It it just seems like if you're gonna do a future state book where the magistrate takes over and Batman gets quote unquote killed or goes you know underground or whatever, like Superman can't be around. He can't be around for that. Otherwise, that doesn't happen. Period. Well, he is around for it, and he doesn't stop it. And he doesn't really do much. He focuses on this drug that kids are using to make themselves look like animals, which was really weird. Again, he's really good at writing the, you know, Superman and Batman interaction stuff. He's great at that. But uh, there was like, there was one scene where Superman's like, yeah, man, ever since I like came out and told him my secret identity, it's just been great. Hey, Batman, have have you ever thought about doing that? Like Batman should have been like, what the fuck did you just say to me? <laughs> you know, like, do you know who my bad guys are? I am not faster than a speeding bullet. I am not. But a he did though. He that, said he did say that. He that did is say like, you if, know. But Superman would not say that. He's smarter than that. They kind of made him look like no, a duck. Look, that's like if you got evicted and I was your rich friend and I came to you and was like, "Well, Joe, why didn't you just dip into your hedge fund? You know, or something." <laughs> like, you no, that is not the s- <laughs> that know? is not the same thing. Come, I, you are being way too critical here. I, Superman knows Batman better than that, and at that moment, just really, I was like, "What, really?" But I'm sorry, this plot was weak. The I like, I like the interaction, I like the art, but this plot was weak. Skim it. <laughs> <laughs> you're being a real asshole about this. Tell me no, I'm wrong. It, that false. I am. Stuff I am telling dumb. you. You're. I am telling you. You're wrong. It's. It's a classic. Silver Agey kind of throwback adventure with a team up between two heroes. Yeah, no, Superman doesn't need Batman for practically anything ever. I agree. But they still team up all the damn time because it's fun. Sure. So, but it yeah, doesn't make sense Superman, in this setting. It it just Superman doesn't make sense. Tracks, Superman tracks the drug to Gotham City and Batman shows up and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? Get in the bat plane before they see you. So it's not like he even went to Gotham City to recruit Batman. He just ran into Batman and Batman was like, stop it. You can't fly around my city under like, why not? Willy nilly like that. Superman. Why not? He could take all these guys out anytime he wanted to. That's why I'm saying. Don't put the, don't tell this story. Do something different. If you're going to do Superman, Batman, do a, do a, you know, Connor Kent and, you know, <sighs> new Batman team up or something where he's like, no, Connor Kent, I'm not letting you put Metropolis or Gotham into a fucking bubble like you did Metropolis. That's compelling. I just thought this was kind of silly and felt forced. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. My next review is Sweet Downfall, number one from Scout. This is written and drawn by Stefano Cardicelli. Johnny, our main character, used to be a crash test dummy, but thanks to local mob boss Don Vito Coriacci, he's been repurposed as an unstoppable hitman with massive guns. 
The solicit mentions Johnny being very loyal until he's tasked with bringing a mermaid to Don Vito for dinner, of course. Although we don't really see that in the issue that we were yeah, sent. No, I don't know uh, if there's in, a few in more fact, pages. It says it's, in fact, it says that it was a like a suitcase full of cash or something. Well, like it says, I we mean, don't know why we don't know why Johnny didn't bring the cash to Don Vito. Yeah, they talk about that, but I think I don't know if they rewrote the solicit or there was more to the book that we didn't get in the preview that we got. It was twenty eight pages we read, so I don't really know. Cardicelli's art is intense. Think Jim Mahfood meets Kevin O'Neill with huge panels, insane scribbled detail. The story isn't much more than just weird. It's it's really the art that shines here. The design of the sunken city of Santa Clara with weird fish and weird jumping jellyfish is fucking awesome. There's extreme gore, even some body horror elements that make this a feat of insane art worth checking out. This is part of Scout's line of first issues that are then published in trade paperback form. And I got to say, the end was a little abrupt where we got to like the scene where it's just like some stuff happened. Are you ready to buy it? Go out, buy the trade paperback. Like, whoa, hey, I don't know that I am. No, (laughs) I can't say the story pulled me in. It did remind me of another indie series starring a robot with a heart. Scud, the disposable assassin that I love very much. But unlike Scud, it didn't pull me in with the first issue, giving it a skim. I disagree. I really loved it. Uh, uh, the art, the art is what pulled me in. Obviously, immediately. Oh, he's incredible. Um, yeah, it was. Um, it, it, it's very. Uh, yeah, your Gemma food, Kevin O'Neill. Yes, it also reminded me very much of like '90s Keith, Keith Giffen. Yeah, Trencher. Uh, where, yeah. where it was just like, this is just an assortment of shapes thrown together until they look like a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh. Yeah, no, I thought that the world building was was very fun. Uh, I I thought like there is a story here. You know, uh, uh, Johnny is exerting some sort of sentience, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and and the 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 Don is uh you know not happy about it, and, and he's got that some was, shit on his face. <laughs> he's got these weird boils. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, no, like that was enough for me. That was enough story for me. Uh, Don Vito sends his dudes after Johnny. Obviously that doesn't work out. And, uh, I thought this was just like a ton of fun, beautiful to look at. And honestly, like, I don't know what more you need. It's a buy it. It's a buy it. It's great. I would just say the problem is this one issue was not enough to convince me to buy a trade paperback. I mean, I, like, I'll watch for that guy's art, but I'm probably not going to read anymore. My last review is of Steak, number one, also from Scout Comics. A young woman whose friend survived a vampire attack becomes a monster hunter to seek revenge. Sounds great on paper. However, uh, Steak, number one, had a concept that I thought sounded cool, but in execution, it was a bunch of edgelord nonsense. Yeah. The script by David A. Byrne was simply terrible. The mythology of the vampire lore was way overly complicated and it drew on way too many like obvious tropes like Lost Boys, Interview with a Vampire. You know, it was just like, okay, I get it. And the drama with the main characters just kept compounding over and over and over. I'm I'm sorry for the spoilers here. The concept as written is good enough. 
But then we get this added wrinkle that, oh, wait, she was not involved in the vampire attack. It was her friend. Oh, but also her friend is secretly a vampire and nobody knows it. Yeah. Oh, and also she is the first natural born child of vampires who is going to be worshipped as a goddess or whatever fucking thing it was. And it's just like, they just kept adding, adding, adding until the point I was like, I don't care. Stop it. I don't care. The art by Francesca Fantini was okay. Uh, It also relied though too much, too heavily on digital effects to obscure action and create moments that weren't actually earned. It's like, instead of drawing a thing that happened, it was, we drew step one in this panel and then a blur. And then step three was the conclusion of that action instead of actually drawing the action. All in all, stake number one was a huge disappointment. I'm giving it a leave it. Like I, I really, I got halfway through it and I was just like, I hate this. Yeah, I don't like to bag real hardcore and stuff like this, but this just felt like, I, I agree, they just borrowed everything they that like you think is cool about vampires. It's all here, all of it. It's all here. And like, oh, that's not enough. Like there's, a swerve is something that is used in your story to make you go, oh shit, that's what's happening? Oh man, all right. But when everything that happens is swerve, 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 like, come on. You can't root for anybody yeah, well, because everything like, keeps oh. changing. And there's and just- then she's like, oh, yeah. And she's a Twitch streamer. Right. You know, and like, she's like, like this video might not be suitable for pussies. Yeah. It's like, stop it. it Come just, on. The whole thing felt like it was trying to relate to everything. And you just needed to pare it down a little bit, settle down, pick your story. It's going to be this. And we're going to operate here and we'll let it grow from there rather than like, here is everything and everything is happening. Let it gently do its thing, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And if you can't draw the action art, that's fine. Don't do it. Get creative. But it shows you can't do it when you do these digital effects. It looks like cheating. It just looks like cheating. Like there's a way to, there's a way to use digital effects that don't. Right. That don't make you feel like, oh, they're just like faking it right i'm giving this a leave it as well and you know maybe this is a first effort maybe this is something that these guys are excited about and i and i hope that they can do more with it and get better but this felt amateurish it really did yeah my next review is wolverine number nine from marvel it's written by ben percy with art by adam kubert Wolverine is back in Madripoor, disguised as Patch, to attend an action for wealthy villains that includes items like the cowl Cap was frozen in the ice wearing, Spider-Man's tombstone, oh, and one of Wolvie's severed hands, complete with adamantium claws. Not sure how that works. And also the star of the show, one of Wolverine's old buddies from Team X, his old hit squad days. I'm not going to reveal who it is, but I love it. I love Wolvie and Madripoor stories. And for some reason, when Bruce Wayne disguises himself as Matches Malone, I hate it. But I love when Wolvie takes on his alter ego, Patch. No matter how many times <laughs> Patch has been revealed to be Wolverine. I mean, like, which happens literally every time. <laughs> That's actually like, that was actually my favorite part because it's like, okay. <laughs> like, how do they not the- know? 
the kingpin is there. Right. You know, you know, like the, the, this is a room full of people like uh, the, this, the new health, the new hellfire club. That's all little kids this is there. Also seems uh, to only like, happen in Madripoor, which, yeah, it's a big city, but this always happens there. Nobody talks about yeah, it. No, no, he doesn't go to, he doesn't go to, he doesn't just dis, no. dress up as Patch anywhere else. He's not doing this in but New yeah, York. Like, <laughs> you know? But like that was, that was my favorite part where it's like, yeah, obviously everybody in the room knows that that's Wolverine and nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. Percy's script is perfect for this kind of ridiculous macho brotherly reunion and even add some good color to Wolvie's ever growing history for a change. Anytime Adam Cooper wants to draw Wolverine, I'm in. For those complaining that the X-Books are too weird, I would offer up Percy's Wolverine. It captures everything I've loved about the old knucklehead with just enough connection to Hickman's X-Madness. This was just a romp. This was a romp through his history with great art by a master that has been doing wonderful work on both Wolverine and the X-Men for I don't even know how long. I'm giving this a huge buy. It It was fun. Yeah, no, I loved this. Uh, I, I I loved the connection to his past. I loved uh, seeing uh, that particular character uh, show up again. Uh, I loved the addition to the backstory where, yeah. uh, you know, the, the story about how like, like they like broke free of their conditioning and all that fun stuff. Um, the whole thing with the severed hand, I don't know. I, I, like, it's not important. Yeah, who, who fucking can- knows? <laughs> Um, like I thought about it for a while. I was like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> like we, we know he lost his adamantium for a long time, yeah. but like, I don't remember him ever getting his hand cut off. Uh, uh, but well, no, like, I'm, wait, yeah. I mean, outside of age, outside of like age of apocalypse, I sure, I, yeah, but maybe it, it happened somewhere. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. And even Wolverine was surprised about it. Yeah. And it was um, great. Cause it, they, they take care of that. And this is the thing that I'm talking about where you say that I bitch about all these details and stuff, but they literally took care of that in one panel with Wolverine was like, wait a minute. When did that happen? Did that happen? God, this memory of mine. Shit. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's perfect. Yes. Wolverine's brain is scrambled. He doesn't remember when that happened. Yeah. Maybe we haven't seen it yet. There you go. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, this is a buy it. Uh, this is one of my, uh, this is one of my favorite X books currently. Ben uh, Percy. It is, Man, he's You know, it, it does, you know, it does its thing. It, it, it does its own thing. And it connects when it needs to. But it, uh, normally it's just a fun romp, and this was a great issue. And yeah, it's a buy. It. There, it's there was just, even like a really clever like part where the auctioneer is like, "And with this mutant, you can walk right into Krakoa." And they like cut to one of the like bad guys, and they're like, "Why would you want to do that?" <laughs> you know, he's like whispering, like, "You yeah. just instantly get your ass kicked." <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I loved it. It's a, it's a buy. It. This is a. This was just a great fun issue. And, uh, you know, it, it's not the sort of issue that's going to like convert anybody into being a fan of Wolverine if they're not already. But I, as, as a Wolverine fan, this was a ton of fun. Yeah. If you're missing old school Wolverine, here you go. Here you go. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. For sure. Which book wins, Joe? What was your book of the week? From this you know pile what? of garbage. God damn it. It was Aquaman. That book blew me away. It was so good. I think I had the most fun reading that Wolverine comic. But yeah, I'm going to give it to Aquaman. Just because it was un- completely unexpected. And I, I looked at the cover and went, great. New Aqua Duo. Cool. Sell me on this one. And they yeah, like, instantly I was not did. Ex- I was not excited to read it. 
and I loved it. Yeah. Uh, like I, I knew that Imperious Lex was going to be great. Right. Uh, like uh, no some, surprise like at all. Some of, the, of course, some of the books, like right, some of the books I read, I was like, oh, I, I'm already a mark for this. I know I'm going to enjoy it. I think this is one um, of the best uses of Future State, though. Like, yeah, truly, no, it was. Don't try and fit into anything. Don't try and connect it to like several weird Teen Titan stories that's going on. We don't need to. Just give us a story that is compelling and takes place someplace weird with a new character that we don't recognize. And look at that; it's great. Way to go. Buda, 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 That's difficult. <laughs> that is it for reviews and buda, 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 broom is the sound of Johnny the Killer Crash Test Dummy shooting a car out of the air with a giant machine gun as seen in the pages of Sweet Downfall number one. This onomatopoeia of the week was picked by Matt because he's not afraid of doing 30 days in the hole. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, you can post it to any of our social media accounts or send an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com or best of all, call us at 402-819-4894. Make the noise on our voicemail. Tell us what comic it came from, title and issue number, and what is happening in the scene. And we will play it on the show. Same goes for any way you submit it. We got to know those things. Without those things, we don't have. We need to know way. those things. Yes, you can't just say, "Here's a panel with a sound effect." Yeah. It's, it's like some obscure Golden Age character nobody knows. You want to send us that? Great, go ahead. Not going to make it on the show. Yeah, because I don't know what I'm looking at. Yeah. Normally, after our reviews, we'd head up to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum to discuss our must-read picks for next week. But seeing as we're still in prison today, we're mm, pumping iron in the weight room. Mm. And Joe is doing the worst spotting job ever. You are lifting 15-pound dumbbells. I'm not standing in front of you and spotting. It's weird, and you're just going to get shanked again. Of course, I don't need you to spot me, but we need to discuss our escape plan. Now, Aren't we getting paroled next week? Shut your mouth. Now, while I regurgitate some notes, you tell the nerds about your must-read pick for next week. <laughs> Why did you swallow your notes? I can't fit anything else up my butt right now, all right? <laughs> You're taking this way too seriously. My pick for next week is Deep Beyond, number one from Image Comics. It's written by Mirka Andolfo and David Goy with art by Andrea Brocardo. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here is your solicit. In an unpopulated future Earth, devastated by the dire consequences of the Millennium Bug, Ooh, what, like Y2K? The survival of mankind and maybe of the planet itself is handled by a small number of people. Talented scientists who, despite the adverse situation and the stupid feuds that continue to divide the small number of people still alive, try to understand and study what is hidden in the depths of the abyss. Something mysterious and dangerous which could eventually cause an even worse and more destructive catastrophe. I think it's they catastrophe. 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 Yeah. Uh, they are describing this as the 100 meets low with a hint of death stranding, which. Oh, hey, my. Who boy. Um, even just a sprinkling of anything by Hideo Kojima is enough to completely derail your comic book. <laughs> 
uh, it, uh, and I'm not going to read the rest because I just said the creative team. Uh, Mirka Andolfo is known for her image books, Unnatural, which is about the weird pig sex. Yeah. And uh, Mercy, which is also about some weird sex thing. Uh, David Goy, who I've never heard of, and rising star artist Andrea Brocardo, who has done work on uh, the Star Wars book Dr. Afra. Oh, also Empire X-Men, which was very good. So this sounds fun. It sounds like a fun sci-fi concept. And uh, I'm on board for it. And also, it's not Future State, so thank you. Yeah, no doubt. My pick for next week is Luna number one. This is a a five-issue miniseries from Boom Entertainment. It is written and drawn by Maria Lovett. 32 pages for $3.99. I like when they do this. They did in the last one, too. For fans of Faithless and Die comes a new dark thriller from acclaimed writer and artist Maria Lovett about a young woman named Teresa who's plagued by prophetic dreams that connect her to something powerful, something divine. When Teresa faithfully crosses paths with the family of the sun, she believes them to be exactly what anyone else in the late 60s would expect. A hippie cult whose leader comes to have met the divine. But secret blood rituals, powerful drugs, and sex runneth amok will bring Teresa face to face with the truth about the family, herself, and the dark secret behind her dreams. Immortality, magic, and alchemy, and the true power of enduring love collide in this new series for mature readers <laughs> i love cults man love them and uh the art looks beautiful i don't know maria love it her name has been thrown around i, know I mean she drew up. faithless right yes but i've never which was which was written by brian azarella right i but um, which was beautiful i just don't know her as a writer so i'm willing to give this a try see what she's got i'm excited sounds cool as hell all right the THN trade of the week goes to After Lift from Dark Horse Comics. It's written by Chip Zdarsky with art by, hey, friend of the show, Jason Liu, creator of, uh, it's the uh, Incredible Human Lizard or the Amazing Human Lizard. The pathet- wasn't it the Pathetic Human Lizard or something like that? Or? Uh, it, was something like, it was something like that, uh, which is a great little indie comic. It's 136 pages for 1999. Oh, wow. Hey, here's your solicit. It's the 2020 Eisner Award winner for best digital series. Pitiful human lizard. Pitiful. Thank you. Yes. Uh, That was in all caps. So pretend I shattered it. Rideshare driver Janice Chen has enough to deal with from annoying passengers to overbearing parents. But when she picks up a pair of mysterious passengers who are pursued by otherworldly forces, Janice realizes that her already terrible day might be headed Straight to hell. This totally missed my radar, and they won an Eisner. Well, digital <laughs> series, you know, I don't even Still, know where that stuff. I mean, gets, like they I don't won even a, know. They won a yeah, damn Eisner. Yeah. Come on. Uh, this series from the creators I mentioned features car chases, demon bounty hunters, and figuring out your place in this world and the next. So, I mean, I picked this because Jason Liu, love that dude. Happy to see him coming up. This is awesome. He's now an Eisner winner. That's incredible. But also, Chip Zdarsky. Jesus. Everything no that guy writes. Yeah, I'm totally in. This, I don't know how this just completely missed my radar. <laughs> I don't know where it was. I don't know where it, where it happened. We're, n- we're not really we're, great at, we're bad we're at, digital great at comics. paying attention to digital first books. We're bad at digital That's comics. Our, yes. That's our blind spot. 
Be sure to pick up these comics so you can read along with us and let us know what you're reading as well. And while you're at it, you can find our complete review list every Wednesday on our Twitter and Facebook if you want to read along with us. Remember, if you're not pre-ordering your comics, you may as well be rotting in prison because you are committing a crime against your local comic shop. Welcome to a very special edition of Take a Look, It's in a Book. Now, normally we always pick a graphic novel and review it. Well, this time, I'd like to welcome you to the very first THN Book Club edition of Take a Look, It's in a Book. And we have our very first member, Mr. JD. Gotta catch them all. Say hi, JD. Good morning. You may recognize his dulcet tones from cover to cover where he joins us each week. And we will be encouraging you to join us for the next one. But right now, I just want to give everybody a feel for how this is going to roll. As you heard, if you're paying attention to the show, we are reviewing War on Terror God Killers from Aftershock. It was written by Mark Sable with art by Man House. And here was the very spooky solicit. Abdul Hazrid is an Arab-American folklore professor turned soldier whose fear of death stems from uncertainty about the existence of an afterlife. Then he joins the God Killers, a special forces unit tasked with fighting insurgents who use mythological creatures as weapons of mass destruction. Now that he knows the supernatural exists, he'll have to decide which is worse, death or the nightmarish monsters that he thought were legends! This is from Mark Sable, who worked on Supergirl not too long ago, also wrote Grounded and Fearless. Manhouse is not a name that I recognize. He is relatively new to the scene. I looked him up, did some indie stuff. He's really good, and we will get into that. Well, the good thing about Aftershock is that they always put very detailed creator credits at the end yeah. of their books. As opposed to like Marvel, who was like, so-and-so who worked on Spider-Man and nothing else, do you understand? And so-and-so who worked on X-Men and absolutely nothing else anywhere else. <laughs> so that's nice of them. But let's get right into it. it. According to the solicit, if you just read it, it sounds like, well, they're a special forces team that gets dropped in to fight monsters. But as we quickly find out, this special forces team had no idea what they were yeah. walking into. Yeah, it, it, it was definitely the, the solicit was a little misleading. And one of the first things I put in my notes and I encourage anyone reading this is wait until the end of the book to read the foreword. Yeah, I, I think so, too, because <laughs> the intro is very good. And when I read it, I was like, oh, shit, we're yeah, actually in for a totally different kind of ride that I than I thought in the intro. Uh, Sable, the writer, he writes about, first of all, he writes about reclaiming the name Al Hazred, the mad, mm -hmm. who is also the mad Arab from the Necronomicon, you know, H.P. Lovecraft's Necronomicon, because he was trying to deal with Lovecraft's very problematic, racist portrayal of Arabs. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just the term the mad Arab in general. Well, not just that, but H.P. Lovecraft's like, I don't know much about the religion, but I bet they worship giant formless blobs that want to destroy man and eat the universe. You know? <laughs> well, not so much. I mean, <laughs> but he also wrote this book, like his other books, he wrote Graveyard and Empires and Unthinkable. They were all sort of critical reactions to the actual war on terror and the demonization of Muslims. What, what do you guys think about how he portrayed his main character, who is an Arab American? 
you know, I, I liked uh, I liked the fact that he was the main protagonist, you know, that, yeah. uh, um, you know, this is obviously set during a, a very fraught era in the Middle East. You know, the, the other characters are constantly suspicious of him just because of his heritage. Well, they're also suspicious of each other, though. It seems like the whole group, they grabbed people from all over the world. Like, uh, well, they're mainly suspicious of him because well, not only is he Arab, but he's also, uh, you know, he was a, uh, he was court-martialed. He was imprisoned for being a deserter. Yeah. Uh, or, yeah. Dereliction of duty. Yeah, right. because he uh, froze up during conflict and a buddy of right. his got killed more or less. Yeah. And now, so like the, the, the team by design is assembled from different faiths and creeds. Mm-hmm. So you've got, you, you've got uh, Jews and uh, Catholics and uh, there's a Haitian immigrant. There's a Russian yeah, expat. Yeah, somebody that believes you know. in voodoo. Yeah. Um, and then there's Al Hazard, who is an atheist. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's which a is great a fun, line. Uh, yeah. It's a fun mix. Yeah. Jeff, you were going to say, Oh, there's a great line uh, regarding his his atheism, and it says, "Perhaps I was right to not believe in Islam, but wrong to not believe at all." Which yeah. is just the one line that kind of s- just jumped out at me. Well, and he keeps playing on this like there are no atheists in the foxholes, you know, yeah. which is an old saying that like a lot of people believe that. Well, when the shit comes down, you're gonna start praying, boy. And I thought it was really interesting that he is like a of Muslim background, but he is not mm-hmm. a practicing Muslim. They made him an atheist that knows an immense about, about the religion and the mythology and all yeah. kinds of mythology, not just that. Oh yeah. Well, but, he's, he's a professor of mythology. I mean, that's his, that's right. why they hired him onto the job. Sable was kind of going for this very realistic military type setting. And like, if you mm-hmm. think about when you watch the news, whenever they show, trouble in the Middle East or active campaign in the Middle East, it kind of looks like the same place. Just, oh, yeah. you know, different explosions, different, you know, troops <laughs> or whatever, basically. And I thought that was kind of neat how from an outsider's perspective, and even the way the team talks, they sort of treat it like the chaplain guy who is very Christian, mm-hmm. who like believes like my God's bigger than your God, which is yeah. an actual quote from a real American general, which is yeah, so gross. Which brings us back to that problematic <laughs> intro. Yeah, which is so <laughs> gross, but it shows how generic the United States treated the war on terror. I'm actually scanning through uh, and they are not going back to Iraq. R- R- Raqqa or Rock, however it's pronounced, they're actually going to Marawi. Marawi, the so-called Islamic capital of the Philippines. Yes, that's right. where they meet. That's where they meet the vampire thing, which yeah, is the penguin. Yeah. Horrifying, um, by the way. <laughs> it's like a they they use those in a Hellboy story. Yeah. They are like uh, also um, also Kosh Koshai the Deathless, which I, I guess is a spoiler, sorry. Everything in um, here is like real. Mythological creatures. Yeah, yeah. This is this is very Hellboy, uh, Mignola mm-hmm. adjacent, which uh, again, type stuff. I didn't think when you when you name your main character Al Hazred and you mention that you want to take that name back from Lovecraft, I thought mm-hmm. we were going to go straight to completely bizarre, nightmarish Lovecraftian made up demons, but not at all. They no. they stayed really true to all these different faiths and mythologies to show that yes, there is conflict here. But it's not just surface-level conflict. There's also right. supernatural conflict. And the people that are dealing with this on the other side are victims as well. 
which yeah. is a really I, good sort of like theme again playing back in the war of terror where we treat it like well we come in here and some of them are good and some of them are bad and that's all i know right. you know but like that's not just the case they are victims of their own people as well and they're victims of their own faith in this also i think it would have lost something if they had not used actual folk- folklore because I agree. that's like that's kind of the whole point of the story is that whether they are gods mm-hmm. or not uh, obviously these creatures exist and belief belief itself holds some sort of power over them. Right. Uh, because even though he's a non-believer, Al Hazard um, does that chant to cast out. Oh, right. At, yeah, um, at the end. Well, but he also says like, just because something is supernatural or appears supernatural doesn't mean that is existence of an afterlife or magic. It's just right. unexplained. It's like there yeah, are the rules. Explained is not supernatural. I know right. those and rules, he, uh, and they will also play another, by. There's also another line that's something to the effect of, you know, I may not believe in God, but I was wrong not to believe in monsters. Right. Yeah. There's another one where he says, uh, having finally seen evidence in the supernatural, I realized that deep down something scares me more than oblivion of my atheism. It's the idea that the worst interpretations of my people's faith might be the right one. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's I'm not like, just his. It's like, hit. it's everybody's though too. Because yeah. like yeah. They, they show through this like multi-religious group of people, mm-hmm. uh, I mean- Spoiler, but bad things happen to some of them (laughs) that don't work together, that are so stuck in their own mindset that like, no, this is just evil shit and we just got to shoot it and whatever. Like, no. Mm -hmm. And they kind of learn like, hey, you know more about this than I do. You know more about that thing than I do. I know more about this than you guys. We have to work together and accept that, first of all, this is real. Second of all, the people involved are not necessarily good or bad, but they are victims. Mm. And third, we're not immune because this has infected our own government as well, which I thought was really cool because coming out of the last administration, for example, (laughs) let's just think about like, well, who would sell their soul to a Russian witch for more power? Oh, I can think of some only, people if that were would. Only that simple of an explanation. <laughs> to, to be fair, it wasn't for more power. It was to protect his children. It was because she snatched his it children. Blackmail, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, sure, whatever. But it started with a bargain. It started with a bargain, and that bargain was, "I'm going to help you get more powerful." He didn't understand yeah, they, the they whole. They did bargain. talk about. They did talk about people in the administration that were like willingly giving up their. Yeah, families. like yeah. I thought he did such a great job looking at the hypocrisy of the war on terror and where it's ended us up making more enemies than good at mm. this point by oh. sticking actual monsters in there, showing the worst parts of everybody's faith. Because think about it. Where do these terrorists come from? They come from the worst part of their faith, the worst yeah part that they could possibly believe in. And that's whether they're Muslim or they're Christian. Any of these terrorists have gone to the fire and brimstone version of their Mm -hmm. God and said, I'm going to fucking kill people because I believe my God is right. It just so happens that they have evidence in the fact that there are monsters (laughs) that are supporting them. But even Mm -hmm. those monsters are like, we're not necessarily gods. People are just dumb. So let, yeah. let's sum um, it up. Let's sum it up and give our, well, our, real, our reviews. Real quick, though, like we talked about the themes of the writing, but mm-hmm. uh, as far as the execution of the writing goes, um, 
I thought it was very well written overall. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think like something that stood out to me is that they really laid it on thick with the whole, uh, with the team, uh, distrusting Al Hazard. Um, even, even after like multiple stops where he has stormed into a room full of insurgents, gun blazing and like, that that friggin' uh, Russian gal with yeah. the glasses is like, get away! Don't you talk to me? <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. All right. Come on. <laughs> the military's um, tough, man. Okay, it's not. <laughs> it's not for snowflakes like us. I'll tell you that much. So, well, and, that's, <laughs> and that's and that's why I, I just, said at the beginning uh, that I wish I hadn't read the intro. Yeah. Because reading the intro and hearing about how he wanted to depict this person as almost kind of a conscientious objector. Yeah. It also made his anti-war stance stick out to me, and it really laid on on thick with that. So, like, there was one scene when he when they when they conscript the pangolin vampire vampire in in uh, the Philippines, and you know they lock her up, they put the mask on her, and he goes, "That's a war crime!" And I I literally laughed out loud. I was like, oh, "Yeah, yeah they, were gonna, uh, they were gonna they were gonna feed him that." Um, <clears throat> They were gonna, f- they were gonna feed that general to her. Yeah, and I'm just like, are you kidding me? Are you seriously? You have seen this disembodied head eat people, and you're worried about war crimes at this point? Well, yeah, yeah. that's I a mean, little. But there is a slippery yeah. slope there. There's something to be said for like, okay, so now we're gonna feed a guy to a monster. <clears throat> that's what we're gonna do. Like because See, that, that is that is a line. Uh, hey, look, man, slip the slippery. Slippery slope is a logical fallacy. It's not a good argument. But like, I'm saying that, that that is a line that you're I'm saying crossing. you have you have j- willingly joined a team. Well, did, he didn't so, willingly join the team. He didn't. didn't will- he? First of all, he didn't. No. This oh, is they, his second no. chance, yeah, and they, the only way he, he stays out of military. And he didn't know what the jail. hell they yeah. were doing yeah. until he was on the plane. But like in that moment, quite honestly, it like comes down to like the same argument as like torturing someone to get information. Or, Which or there's trying to get the information scene, for them. warning. You are going to feed a person that you've decided is a bad guy to a monster. That is definitely crossing a line. And let's all be aware that we're saying, yes, this is what we're going to do. We're going to feed this man to, to a vampire. <laughs> Which, like, I'm not saying I'm sympathetic to ISIS. And, yeah, I think they should run around. But I don't. Necessarily That's think- another one of those panel things I think that I had an issue with because they don't ever actually say he goes wait what who are you going to feed her and that was it and but there's a panel where that shows a shadowy figure between the two and then she just says that's acceptable. And he goes, that's a war crime. Okay. That makes a little more sense to me now. Yeah. They were definitely going to feed that general to the monster. And in that case, yeah, I mean like, look, you are murdering a captive. That is a war crime. Whether you're feeding it to someone or you're walking up and shooting him in the head, he is a captive that is no longer fighting. You're committing a war crime at that point. That that makes a lot more sense later when he's talking to the djinn and he's and he says um the f- that you betrayed your word to her or no, not the gen. He's talking to the general. Yeah. And he says, uh, that you betrayed your word to her. doesn't exactly inspire confidence. Yes. Now I understand that, that they said they were going to feed her and then they muzzled her. Okay. Yes. That, that clears that up for me, but it's, it's less laughable. It's a less laughable line now, but 
it's just it took a little deciphering. Fair enough. I guess I guess yeah, I yeah, got no, it. I I hear you. I guess I got it the first time, but like, but let's okay. So let's talk about like our overriding. Let's conclude here and give it a review. And we always do it on the buy it, skim it, or leave it. Jeff, mm-hmm. you're our guest. Why don't you start us off? Just a short conclusion and your rating. Uh, I'm at I'm at heart an optimist, and uh, I thought this was you know if you look at the scope of the project and how much they took on. I love a big swing. Yeah. You know, and and if you think of it in the terms of this is, you know, American Gods meets Black Hawk Down. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. That's they should have put that I'm, on the I'm cover. here for it all day, you know, and and <laughs> I I have some quibbles, but you know what? Nobody nobody comes out of the gate fully formed. So, you know, I I'm anxious to see what these guys are going to do going forward and uh I I say it to buy it. I think everyone should should check this out cuz it's fun, good comics. Well, I don't want to say fun. It's kind of feel bad comics, but it's heavy as hell. It's heavy. It's heavy, but it's 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 exciting and it's definitely uh riveting and has some really cool themes and it takes things we've done before and puts them in a new twist and a new scope. And I love that. Anytime you can do that 90 degree turn on an idea. I think if they don't use Black Hawk Down meets American Gods on the cover of the second printing, they're fucking up. Joe Patrick, what do you think? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I totally agree with with JD. uh, This held my excitement from start to finish. I plowed through it in one sitting yesterday. At at first, I started off with like, okay, the concept is cool. I'm interested. Then, you know, it took me a while to warm up to the characters, you know. But then when it was like the second the Magnola stuff started happening, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yes, I am 100% on board. Like, I am a sucker for that traditional folklore uh, you know, horror stuff. Oh, it's like slipping into a warm, sticky bath. <laughs> Gross. Gross. <laughs> Maybe they just put that on the cover. Um, but yeah, this was a buy it from me. I, I thought that despite a few, you know, niggling, uh, little issues, I thought the writing and art were excellent. Uh, it was, it was exciting. And when it was over, I was like, oh man, like, I hope they do another one. So it's a buy it. Yeah, I, I'm with you in the sense that like I, I love the mythology stuff too, but I really like how he used the mythology to really make a pointed criticism of the war the American war on terror. And mm. I think that's one of the something like this is can only be done in the pages of comic book, quite honestly. You could write this novel if you want, sure, but it's mm-hmm. gonna be way more effective when I can see that monster. And I can see how the humans react to them. And I can see where the story is going, you know? And I think they nailed this. I really enjoyed it. There, I agree. There were a couple of little writing things here and there and some art stuff that was a little strange. But I do think that Manhouse has a ton of talent and is going to just improve from here. I think Sable did a great job and did obviously did a lot of research and really nailed this. I had a lot of fun with it. It is a buy it for me. Yeah. Uh, so it collects the entire five issue miniseries. It's sixteen ninety nine. So I mean, that's cheaper than it would have been if you bought the singles. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Aftershock does a good job of keeping things fairly reasonable. They do. Yeah. So it's a like it's a bargain. Uh, if you missed it, it, this is this gets our recommendation. We li- I, really liked it. I knew I I knew I liked it because I, there was just one thing that I was dissatisfied with, and it wasn't that I didn't like it. I just wanted more. I wanted more of the rock. Yeah. 
Yeah. That was cool. I mean, giant bird taken out of helicopter. Yeah, that was I'll cool. That when we went long. to that point, oh, it was just yeah. like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to JD for helping us out with our first THN book club. And if you are a patron of ours on Patreon, you can hear our full discussion there. This obviously is an edited version. Uh, Also, you can join us for our next book club where we will be reviewing Vision and Scarlet Witch, colon, the saga of Wanda and Vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to get as much Wanda and Vision on there as possible. (laughs) Yes. Uh, read this reprints uh, both of the classic Marvel 80s Wanda and Vision stuff uh, that is uh, uh, sort of inspiring bits and pieces of the new show. Shoot us an email at twoheadednerd at gmail.com if you're interested, and we will have more info on our Patreon page as well at patreon.com slash twoheadednerd. I'm excited for this. This is a total blind spot for me. Excelsior! Oh, <laughs> That is it for THN 607, and we're officially on parole, Joe. I hope you're happy. We didn't even get to play Thin Lizzy and bust out of here and mess up a bunch of robots. We're just getting released like a couple of average schmoes. But we're also going to be helping one nerdy dad next week with some kitty comic suggestions for our Comic Pushers segment, so tune into that. Until then, Joe Patrick, give these kids a new question of the week this week's question was submitted by us well actually it was submitted by ryan hebrews mount yeah uh who is also going to help us out with uh our kids comics recommendations he's not helping us out we're answering his question no that was tony mathers's question. oh okay future state is one month in we just endured it we have escaped it We want to hear your thoughts on the event so far. What works? What doesn't? What ideas do you hope stick around when the DCU goes back to normal? You know what? And I I would even stretch this. Let's just talk about like other events like this too, if you guys want. Like ideas that came out of them that you liked, that stuck around or you didn't like. Let's, Let's rap about it. Is this still a thing worth doing? As I say every week, we do need question of the week suggestions. So please, please, please send them to me via any social media, email, the forums. John Littrell just sent us a bunch of them. Yeah, he did. <laughs> uh, JD got a catch, sent us one. So we'll we'll see what we got there. And anything uh, counts. How, any question you want. We're not going to shame you. Shoot us something. Like, we're not going to Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to use them all because some of them are just like, I don't know how we get a discussion out of that, but whatever. Cover to Cover is back, though, every Saturday at 11 a.m. Central Time, live on our Facebook page. So call 402-819-4894 to get on the show or shoot an MP3 of your answer to twoheadednerd at gmail.com or join us in our Zoom chat. It is right now the most popular thing we have possibly ever done. It's a good time, yeah. It is a good time. Uh, We will guarantee internet fame for you no matter how you participate remember though if you are going to submit an email or a voicemail please keep it to two minutes or less we got to share the air we got a lot going on every saturday if you're new to this show and you would rather take a drug that alters your dna and makes you look like a chicken than listen to any more oh by the way when that kid tries to kill himself 
All Superman had to do was grab the kid and take him off the tracks, but instead, he stops a train very violently. Don't tell me nobody got fucked up inside the train. Look, again, <laughs> Superman stopping a train is a very classic uh, Superman I thing. I know. I assure you, it's only because you haven't heard enough. The good news is, you can hear the entire MTHN or digital long box archive at twoheadednerd.com. Hosting that many shows. It ain't cheap. Want to thank donors like our patron, our man in the streets, Damon Chan. Still out there, walking the mean streets of Brooklyn, wearing a mask. Doing it, doing his thing. That's right. Supporting us. Out there somewhere, the walking dude. Doing a thankless job. Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to GameStop and all the nerds that pitched in to buy stock to put a middle finger in the eye of the hedge fund that shorted their stock and suddenly Wall Street is worried about this behavior and calling it illegal. <laughs> Somebody, there was a quote that I read by a stock analyst that said, it's sort of like the velociraptors in Jurassic Park. Sooner or later, they get smart and learn how to jump the fence. That's <laughs> you know, so great. It's yeah. so punk rock. I love it. Fuck you, stock market. And word to you, nerds. Until next time, true believers. Remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just short your stock and bet on the fact that you want all 23 covers of next week's Sonyaverse number one from Dynamite. This is the Two-Headed Nerd. Signing off. Sonyaverse. Really? Sonyaverse? Pardon me. What the? Pardon me. I said that wrong. Sonyaversal. <laughs> That's what it's called. 